0: I don't know about you guys, but...
1: John, I haven't seen you in a while. Good to see you. And Sue's here? Oh my gosh, this is awesome. Um, I woke up this morning, we kept the bedroom windows open, and you know that that you probably all experienced it this morning. Like, it was cold in our room, but it was like a good cold. You know, like, the season is changing, and it, it was like that... I woke up just like so warm and cozy under the covers, and I'm like, I didn't want to get out of bed. I told Brenda, I'm like, I do not want to get out of bed. We were both like, we don't want to go to church. (laughs) Sit here, it's so comfortable. Um, I believe the sermon this morning is straight from the Holy Spirit. Okay, so, and the reason I believe that is because I was thinking about doing it for a few months now. And, um, and then I, I was, I'm like, I'm going to do it this week. I'm going to do it on Sunday. But then I had second thoughts. I'm like, maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do that. And then I was driving in my car and I listened to the podcast. And the podcast was on what I was going to do, like a similar topic of what I was going to do the sermon on. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. And then this morning, um, I, I was working on it, and then I took a break, and I went on Facebook, and there was a Facebook thing came up that was similar to what I was doing the sermon on, and I'm like, oh, this is weird. This is like maybe a sign from God, and that reminds me, I need my phone. Um, and and then lastly, I, I went, I could not print from my laptop the sermon. I'm like, I, I'd never had this problem before. I'm trying to print, trying to print, trying to print, won't print, so I go to my desktop, and I, I, I send my sermon to the desktop, and then I, I print it, and then I get the sheets, and I'm like, oh, this isn't the sermon, but this would be great. <laughs> I printed the wrong thing. It was something I, I downloaded like months ago, forgot about, wow. and, and I'm like, okay, this is God. Amen. This is the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, and Brenda asked me a number of times, what are you preaching on? What are you preaching on? I'm like, I'm not telling you. <laughs> I'm not telling you. Um, so I'm going to share a few stories with you from the past a few cherished memories with you and then I'll tell you what the sermons are my baptism 1991 I've been studying the Bible for months I had set a baptism date a number of times and every time I canceled it it was too much pressure too much stress I'm like I can't do it I can't do it in my mind I thought being a Christian, I had to be perfect. And I chickened out every time. Finally, the last time, uh, this guy, Jason Colby, who was studying the, the Bible with me, he said, I tried to cancel again. And he said, Steve, what does God want you to do? Don't think about what you want to do and how scared you are. What does God want you to do? And I'm like, God wants me to get baptized. And he's like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, okay, I'll get baptized. And I didn't, I didn't chicken out after that. But I told Jason, I'm like, I don't know, I feel uncomfortable doing this. Can it just be, like, you and me at the baptism? Can it just? And he's like, well, how about our Bible group, you know, that I've been meeting with, which was, like, eight people. And I'm like, I guess that's okay. And then I um, like, well, what if some more people kind of show up that maybe want to be there? And I'm like, well, I don't want a huge crowd. He's like, Steve, it's Sunday night, it's, like, it was like ten thirty at night or something. I don't know why it was so late. Um, and he's like, "How many people are going to come out that late at night?" And I'm like, "Yeah, you're right. No one's going." So we drive up to the old Arlington Church building, and the lights are all on, and I see all these heads in the windows. And I'm like, "Jason, what are these? All these people?" I... Um, And he's like, well, I guess more came out than than we thought, you know? And he was cracking up. But I got baptized, came up out of the water, and all these people, most of them I didn't know, they started singing. And to me, it was like angelic singing. It was like, I was dripping wet, just like, oh my gosh, I'm a new creation. I'm born again. And these people were singing, and it was just like the angels. That's one memory. 1995. I found out I had a brain tumor, the size of a golf ball. Um, very serious. I could die. I had to go to Mass General for surgery. Like a week before, the church decided to have, and my, all my roommates decided to have a gathering in my living room. My parents were there. And there was probably, it was a, not a big living room, there's probably, I don't know, 60 people there. Crammed in. Like, you know, they have door, like door frames, and people were just leaning in. All these people. And they were sharing about me and the impact I had on their lives and what they appreciated about me, what they loved about me. And they were doing that because I could die. And they wanted me to know. Oh, I'm starting to get teary-eyed. That's um, such a special memory to me. And I remember my parents afterwards saying, we have never seen anything like that in our lives. I remember during that time meeting thousands of people coming up to me. I had bandages on my head afterwards. Coming up to me in fellowship saying, Are you Steve? We've been praying for you. I didn't know them. And this is, you know, we meet every, like once in on, a huge church, thousands of people. And people would find me and come up to me and say, I've been praying for you. How are you? I remember our wedding. We, uh, we planned a great wedding, an extravagant wedding. Wedding. Uh, we both had good jobs at the time. But there there was a problem. In a month before the wedding, we were asked to go into the ministry. And so our whole plan was to have this great wedding and then pay it off with our jobs. <laughs> and then they were like, hey, can you guys go into ministry? And we're like, oh, there's a problem. We're, we're supposed to be going to Paris and Switzerland for our honeymoon. And with, with the money we're going to be making in the ministry... We're not going to pay it off. So I remember we got married. It was like 400 people. Again, a lot I, we didn't know at our wedding. It was at the Beverly building. And I, we were our friend had probably... Yeah, you remember this. You remember it better than mine. We, you know when you get the basket with the gifts? Yeah. So many people gave gifts and cards, and it was all checks and cash. And it was all messages like... Thank you for sacrificing, for coming into the ministry to serve, to help us. And we hope this helps with the wedding, with the honeymoon. And it was enough money to pay for that trip. And I was just so moved in my heart by that. I remember the first six months in the ministry, we led a little group of like 90 singles and I remember during that time, I kept stats, because that's the kind of guy I am, drove Brenda crazy. But I remember we grew by about 20 people. And I just remember just studying the Bible with different people. Brenda would be out studying with women, I'd be out studying with guys, and it was like and baptisms, you know? And, and I just, such a special time to me, and just having a that interaction with people, men and women, and. The smiles, the faces, the feeling like God was working, and God is the one that brought those twenty people. I, I hope I said that right. I don't know if I did. I hope I didn't say we did. Or um, I remember the men's retreat when the shops got here. Well, after, this was before the shops got here. Steve Shop came to our men's retreat out in the woods. Remember that? And Brenda and I were new to coming back to the church and. I just such a special time to me. It was I I met Steve and Steve spoke, and I'm like, man, I wish this guy was here at our church. Like when he when he left after that, I was almost in tears. Like I love this guy, and I remember during that time we we split up to pray and we we laid on the basketball court, looking up like four or five of us, and praying as we looked at the stars. I'll never forget that. And then I remember later, Steve asking us around the campfire, what's your favorite scripture? And we shared our favorite scripture. I remember another harder time, but still, it's very special to me, where I asked four or five brothers to meet at Peter Lee's house, and I had something to confess. And We met, and I was scared to death to meet at their house. Like I was, I'm the one who organized the meeting, but I was scared to death to go to this thing, and I felt like I had to get something off my heart and confess some sin. And I was scared. But I'll always remember the brothers. The brothers giving me hugs afterwards. The brothers saying, Steve, it's okay. We're all there with you. We're all, we've all done stuff we shouldn't be doing. And just loving me and giving me hugs, and I always remember that. that. And I think, what are what have all these things have in common? They involve the church. And what's on my heart this morning, in the title of the sermon, is loving the church through God's eyes. Because it, 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 you know, it breaks my heart. I, 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 like I'm on Facebook a lot, and I'm friends with a lot of people. And it just breaks my heart when people say, well, I've, I've left the church, or church isn't for me, or I don't need the church. I have, it's just Jesus and me. It's just, we're fine. Jesus and me, we're fine. I don't need the church. And I remember when Brenda and I left the Church of Christ back, I don't know what year it was, you know, I told Brenda, we, are always, we have to keep going to church. We have to keep going to church. The Bible does not mix words about that. We have to go to church. God wants us to go to church. And I wanted to, this morning, maybe look, well, look at how God and Jesus look at the church. Because I think if we can love the church the way through their eyes, it would change everything. Our whole perspective. So turn to Matthew 16. Please. (laughs) Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. What sticks out to me here, I mean, there's a lot that sticks out, but notice what Jesus says. On this rock I will build my church. Jesus is saying, I'm going to build this church. You think the church was important to Jesus? I mean, Jesus, the Jews thought Jesus would come as the Messiah and the, a conquering hero that would lead the Jews into a new kingdom, defeat Rome, and like, if any institution he built would be a new Jewish government or a new Jewish like nation that wouldn't be ruled by anyone. Instead, Jesus comes and he says, my focus If I'm going to build an institution, it's the church. That's my main focus. The church is what I want to build. I think that says a lot. And and I also feel like a lot of times we think building the church has to do with us. Right? We have to look good. We have to dress good. We have to have the church service just right. We have to have it in the right place. We have to have refreshments. And all this stuff to get people to come and build the church. And Jesus is like, I will build my church. That's a side note, but. Acts 20, verse 28. Thank you for the encouragement. Acts 20, verse 28. It says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God which he bought with his blood. This group right here, think about that. This group right here in Vermont, everyone that came through those doors to be in church this morning. Jesus bought this that we have right here with his blood. How precious is that? What would you give your life for? Mm-hmm. Jesus gave his life for the church. Mm-hmm. Ephesians 3, 8 through 11. There's a lot of scriptures here, so. You guys like scriptures, right? Yeah. It's funny because I, I, I'm like, when I was preparing this, I was a little nervous about what I was going to say, but then when I add more scriptures, I'm like, I feel better about it. Like, <laughs> the scriptures speak for themselves. Ephesians 3, 8 through 11. Although I am less than the least, wait, is that three? Yep. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, His grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent, God's intent, was that now through the church. The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Now if you're like me, you read that and you're like, what's that mean? (laughs) I was like, heavenly realms? But that, that word for heavenly realms can also be the spiritual realm. Okay? Everything that's happening in the spiritual realm that we don't see each and every day with angels and even in Ephesians 6, It talks about the spiritual realms having demons. Like there's a war going on. And what's it say here? The church. um, His intent was that now, through the church, through us, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. I, I, I was thinking about that this week. I was thinking about demons creatures that just want to twist and turn people to evil and and do so much damage in this world. I was thinking about them looking at us in this church in Vermont, in this room this morning, and seeing the wisdom of God, being blown away like, whoa, whoa, these these people are not acting like like we hoped they would and how we want to twist them. They're not doing that. God's working in their lives. God's working in their families' lives. God's, you know, that that makes me excited to think that way, that our lives are more than just waking up, going to work, coming home for dinner, going to sleep, waking up, going to work. We're, We're showing the spiritual realm, God's wisdom in our lives. Now, with those three scriptures, how important is the church to God? Very important, right? It's 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 the whole plan. Now, what's the word church mean? Ecclesia, ecclesia let's see, ecclesia. I know everyone starts falling asleep when you go into the Greek, but um, it means a called out, being called out, and it's it's in it's in the. Um, What's the word? Plural, like it's more than just one person. It's a bunch of people who are called out. And so what are we called out from? First Peter 2. And I meant to say this in the beginning, but part of the... Um, Thing that prompted me to do this also was Pat's great sermon a few few weeks ago on how church is a verb. Yeah. So I wanted to give him credit for that because that really moved me when he did that sermon. Um, okay, First Peter two nine. It says, "But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him." who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I think most of us know that scripture, but it's saying we were once one thing and now we're another thing. You were once not a chosen person, now you're a chosen person. You were called. You were once in darkness. Now you're in the light, right? Once you were not a people, and now you are a people of God. We're called out of the world. In another scripture, First um, Peter one is right, right next to it, verse fifteen and sixteen. Actually, let me, let me just go back to 1 Peter 2, verse 11, because I was supposed to read that too. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. So the, the, the point I saw there is that we're called out to such a point that we're like aliens and strangers. And it's not, the word aliens isn't like from outer space, it's like foreigners, <laughs> just to make that clear. But we're called out. By God. We have a special purpose. Now we can look at 1 Peter one fifteen. It says, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. So part of the calling out is for us to be holy as a church. how's that make you feel? Good? Overwhelmed? No? Well, I, when I read that, I'm like, maybe it's the perfectionist in me or the all or nothing, but I get overwhelmed. I get like, oh, how am I going to be holy? How's the church going to be holy? And this is my theme scripture for that. Philippians. Let's see, Philippians 3. This is a great scripture for a lot of things. Philippians 3, verse 12. This is Paul writing. And this is great for perfectionists and all or nothing people. Verse 312 says, Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. And straining towards what is ahead, mm-hmm. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. That takes so much pressure off of me. Like, mm-hmm. if if you tell me I have to do something perfectly, I freak out. Like I'm like I can't sleep at night. I I, I get obsessive about it. And if I read that scripture, be holy, like I am holy, I'm like, uh, I can't do it. I'm going to mess up. It's the same reason I cancel my baptism multiple times, right? (laughs) Um, But here Paul is saying, yeah, I want to be perfect too, but I'm striving towards that. And I'll be striving towards that my whole life. And I think that's what God wants from the church, right? He wants us to strive to be holy. He knows we're not going to be perfect. But he wants us to strive towards that, right? And I love that. Ephesians 1. Verse 17 through 23. The power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. This, this, there's so much in this to talk about, but I'm amazed that God... Well, first of all, Jesus. Jesus died for us, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, sent the Holy Spirit to the disciples in Acts 2, so they would have the Holy Spirit in them. They would start the church... All authority was given to Jesus of everything. But then God says, Jesus, you have all authority over everything, but I also want you to be head over the church. It's almost like special attention, right? That's how how I think of it. I'm like, Jesus is, is watching out for us. Looking out for us. And remember, this is all God's view of the church. Jesus' view of the church. And that's my goal today. And my goal for myself when I was studying this out is like, I want to see through that those eyes. I want to understand how God sees the church. Because Steve Neth, I'm messed up sometimes, right? I see the church maybe in not the best way sometimes. And I think most of us probably could say that. Um, certainly many in the world can say that. Um so that's the whole goal, seeing it through God's eyes. Amen? Amen. Colossians one sixteen through eighteen. And this is with me cutting a lot of scripture. So <laughs> Verse sixteen for by him all things were created things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by men and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Jesus is the head of this, We are the body now. We're compared to Jesus' body. And I, I see, I see, this goes back to like some of the conversations I have on Facebook with some old friends of mine. I'm like, Jesus, if you love Jesus, you need, you need to really love his church. And I understand church is, man, man can mess up church, believe me. I have stories about that. Brenda has stories. We probably all—we all have stories. But God's vision for the church, and Jesus's vision as His body, is still there. It's still real. And if you—if you love Jesus, like I—I have, I have so many friends that have left. They're like, I love Jesus. I'm not doing church. I'm not doing church. And I think part of God's plan. I know part of God's plan is for us to do church. Is it easy? No. Sometimes it's like the stories I shared earlier where it's miraculous and it's like, oh my gosh, this is the most amazing thing. Other times, it can be like a train wreck. It can be so hard. And here, I just wanted to share, I was going to share this at the end, but I want to share, I just thought of sharing it now. This is the thing I found on my computer. Totally forgot I downloaded it. Totally forgot about it. I think the Spirit wanted me to read it. It's called Church is Hard. Church is hard for the person walking through those doors, afraid of judgment. Church is hard for the pastor's family, under the microscope of an entire body. Church is hard for the prodigal soul, returning home broken and battered by the world. Church is hard for the girl who looks like she has it all together but doesn't. Church is hard for the couple who fought the entire ride to church. Church is hard for the single mom surrounded by couples holding hands and seemingly perfect families. Church is hard for the widow and widower with no invitation to lunch after church. Church is hard for the deacon and with an estranged child. Church is hard for the person singing worship songs. Thank you, Rob. Overwhelmed by the weight of the lyrics. Church is hard for the man insecure in his role as leader. Church is hard for the wife who longs to be led by a righteous man. Church is hard for the nursery volunteer who desperately longs for a baby to love. Church is hard for the single woman and single man praying God brings them a maid. Church is hard for the teenage girl wearing a scarlet letter ashamed of her mistakes. Church is hard for the sinners. Church is hard for me. It's hard because on the outside it all looks shiny and perfect. Sunday best and behavior and dress. However, underneath those layers you find a body of imperfect people, carnal souls, selfish motives. But here is the beauty of the church. Church is in a building, mentality, or expectation. Church is a body. Church is a group of sinners saved by grace, living in fellowship as saints. Church is a body of believers bound as brothers and sisters by an eternal love. Church is a holy ground where sinners stand as equals before the throne of grace. Church is a refuge for broken hearts and training ground for mighty warriors. Church is a converging of confrontation and invitation, where sin is confronted and hearts are invited to seek restoration. Church is a lesson in faith and trust. Church is a bearer of burdens and a giver of hope. Church is a family, a family coming together, setting aside differences, forgetting past mistakes, rejoicing in the smallest of victories. Church, the body, the circle of sinners turned saints, is where he resides. And if we ask, he is faithful to come. So even on the hard days at church, the days when I am at odds with a friend, when i fought with my husband because once again we had an argument, when I've walked in bearing burdens heavier than my heart can handle, yet masking the pain with a smile on my face, when I've worn a scarlet letter under the microscope, when i fought tears as the lyrics were sung, when I've walked back in afraid and broken after walking away, I'll remember he has never failed to meet me there. Church is a body, a family, a place to love God and love others through our struggles. Anonymous. Whoever wrote that? Anonymous. I thought that was so powerful when I found that on the internet. Church is hard. I think it, it's anything worthwhile is mm-hmm. going to be hard. Sure. I think sometimes we we go to church and we think we want it all taken care of. We want smiles and high fives and a sermon that just lifts us up and speaks right to us. Mm-hmm. Smiles at the end, hugs. Okay, see you later. do Don't talk to me. I don't want to talk about my life. I don't want to talk about my troubles. It's all good. But God knows that's not what we need. God knows we need to be in the battle, in the struggle. And church isn't exempt from that. We're here to fight together and learn together. And, you know, some of those most precious moments, I, I didn't share so many, but so many of them were prayers. So many of them were talking, like men talking together about our struggles. Right? Where we're in the battle together, confessing and talking about trying to be better, trying to strive. Amen? Acts 2, verse 42. You guys all know this scripture, probably most of you. This is the after the first basically church sermon by Peter. Peter preaches to the Jews that are in Jerusalem, and three thousand people get baptized. What do they do after they get baptized? Verse forty-two: They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They devoted themselves. Do, do we, like, remember when you were a brand new Christian? I don't, like, imagine 3,000 of you together, like, I, coming out of the water like, what should we do now? <laughs> well, let's, let's get together and learn more about this. Let's study the apostles' teachings, or now we have the Bible. Let's read it. Let's find out more. Let's see what's, what else this entails. And to the fellowship. When you're baptized, when you're born again and come out, you have a bond with other people that do the same. You have, They're your brothers and sisters. And they can understand this life that we've signed up for and been baptized and raised anew to better than anybody. They're, we're all in the same boat. We have different struggles maybe and different ups and downs, but we can relate to one another, right? They devoted themselves to that. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, taking communion, which we're going to do this morning, and to prayer. And the question I have is: I was reading this to myself. Devoted. How bad do you feel missing something you're devoted to? Right. And that caught my heart. Like sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'm going to miss. I'm not going to go to church today. I'm not going to go to men's group on a Wednesday night. It's okay. They'll be fine without me. And I read this, even this morning, I read this and I thought about it and I prayed about it. And I'm like, if I'm devoted, how would I feel about that? I, I'd be missing it, right? I feel like I'm devoted to Brenda. Sometimes I'm not as devoted, but I'm mostly devoted... <laughs> And when she's not there, I miss her. And she made fun of me the other day. She was like, I, I guess, I don't remember this, but when I was younger, married to Brenda, I made fun of a guy who was like, I just miss my wife. Because she went away for a week. I'm like, why does that guy like, miss his wife so much, you know? And Brenda brought it up the, the other day, and she's, you know, some, her sister was there. And she was like, "Look at Steve now. <laughs> Look at Steve now." When I go away, I'm like, I'm like calling her like every day, like I miss you. What's going on? <clears throat> okay.
0: What am I supposed to eat for dinner? <laughs> um,
1: but it's true. When when you miss something you're devoted to, you should feel it. And you, you at the very least, just reach out and say. I'm sorry I can't be there, guys. In my heart, it pains me not to be there, but I have this, or I have that. Um, You know, like, because we're devoted to it. Isn't that what God wants from us, to be devoted? Devoted to church. It says, everyone, verse 43, everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I have to admit, when I was younger, in my 20s and read this, I'm like, yeah. Yeah, now I'm in my 50s, I'm like, I'm not selling everything. I'm not, like, this is this is too hard to do. And Brendan, on the drive off, I was like, Brenda, what are your best memories in the church? Salem State. You know, the younger years when everyone had nothing to lose, and everyone shared everything. Like, they were meeting together all the time. Um... And there's something special about that. And I imagine these 3,000 new Christians were just like, let's just hang out. Let's have fun. Let's play volleyball, Um, maybe. I mean, I don't know if they had volleyball that time. But just having fun and and talking about Jesus, praying together, and sharing their faith with those around them. I just, I love that picture. And again, the perfectionist part of me was like, well, I'm 50-something, I don't know if I can do this. Well, Steve, Philippians 3, strive for it. Strive for it. God wants us to strive for these things. You're not going to be perfect, but strive for it. Sorry, um, right, I got away from my notes. Ephesians 4, 11-16. And I know some of these scriptures are challenging, so if you're feeling challenged or like you don't like something I'm saying, you can talk to me afterwards. But if it's from the Bible, I would like kind of sit with it a little longer. And it's okay to be challenged. It's okay not to feel totally great. Sit with it. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. This is God's plan for the church, for us to be built up together, to be prepared for works of service, to be in unity in the faith, to become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, becoming more like Christ. That's God's plan for the church. How can we help each other become more like Christ? How can we grow together? How are we more like Christ than we were last year, the year before, ten years ago? And if we're not, we're not. But do we talk about it? Do we get together and talk and like, or even ask, hey, bro, hey, sister, how can I be more like Christ, do you think? That's a scary question. (laughs) You don't know what response you're going to get back. But is that on our hearts? Is that on our minds? It says here that that is what's supposed to be going on in the church. Right? And that encourages me and inspires me. Like, I want to be more like Christ. Do you guys? Yeah. yeah. Who doesn't want to be like Jesus? Right? Jesus was awesome. 1 right. Corinthians 14, 26. I'm sorry there's so many scriptures, but this is, uh, the Bible speaks a lot about this. And I, everything, I, every scripture I, I looked at, I'm like, I have to include this. I have to include this. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. What then, we sh- what, what then shall we say, brothers? When you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. And look at verse 12 of 14. So it is with you, since you are eager to have spiritual gifts, try to excel in gifts that build up the church. So here Paul saying, your spiritual gifts, what God has blessed you with. Build up the church. Strengthen the church. I think we need to think more about, if we're not at church, what is missing in this group? Because the the Bible says, as a group, God puts us together to be the body of Christ. And he says we all have different strengths and talents. Some are a foot, some are an ear, some are a leg, I don't know, different body parts. But together, we make up the body of Christ. But if we're not here, what is missing? Because I I firmly believe, and I have a conviction, every single person in this room has brought something in this room today that is the body of Christ. And you need to believe that. Okay? After, After this sermon's done, after church is done, please, just talk to someone else in this room. And try to give your gift that God has given you. Some of you smile like the best smile I've ever seen. Maybe some of us aren't as talented with the smiles. Some of us speak the truth better than anyone. But some of us are more empathetic and like show emotion more.
0: But together
1: we are the body of Christ. And I I, I really really want everyone to feel that every Sunday when you're like Brenda and I you roll over in bed, I really don't feel like going to church this morning think about what will be missing from the body of Christ that morning if you don't go because something will be missing and I, I just urge you and encourage you to come to church to give what even if you don't see it even if you go, I don't have a gift you do I tr- there, there is a gift. And if you don't know your gift, ask someone else. And one of my, let's see here. One of my memories, uh, tell me it's not here. Uh, where is it? I didn't plan this, but it's got to be here. Ah, here it is. One of my great memories was this. You guys remember doing this? the shock's idea, the men's were separate, the women were separate we put this on our back with tape and then we walked around the room and people wrote on it what they thought about it, what they thought your gifts were this is precious to me because I got this back and I read it and I was so encouraged because sometimes we don't even know if people see our gifts or what we're good at some of these things on here, I'm like, I didn't even know this was a gift of mine. But I'm, I'm keeping this in my Bible. I'm so glad it was in there today. I'm like, oh, if I lost that. But this means so much to me. It's different men that were in that room wrote these things. We, we see each other's gifts. This proves it. So if you don't know your gifts, talk to someone. Say, what do you think? What do you think my gifts are? That takes courage too. Sorry, right, I gotta put this back in its sh- cherished spot. <laughs> uh, okay, let me see. Okay, lastly, Ephesians 4 15. 16. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I'm going to close with this scripture. We're growing up right now. Till the day we die, we're growing up. And if, when I die, I hope you guys come to my funeral and I'm like, Steve was always focused on becoming like Christ. Mm-hmm. I hope you, I hope we can all say that about each other. Till the day we die, even if I'm a 90-year-old guy in a nursing home, you know, I'm doing my best. Even then, to, I want to be like Christ. You know, talking to different people in the nursing home. i already got this planned out. But I've got my same Bible there. Um, But that's what this is all about. Becoming like Christ together. And that is so encouraging to me. And I want to, just a thought about church. Sometimes we think of the 12 apostles, the 12 disciples that Jesus called out. As like these perfect men. For these men, that were like, whoa, they were like warriors and awesome. and I don't think that's the way it was. You have Simon Peter, James and John. Well, Simon Peter, all or nothing guy, just was over the top, like, I'll never leave you, Jesus, and we have to be totally committed. And like, that can be annoying, right? James and John, son, sons of thunder. They wanted to call down fire onto a city or town Jesus, can we you want us to call down fire? These guys had anger issues, <laughs> right? These guys wanted, were like about like we we want to get revenge here. You think sitting around the campfire? Think about it, they were together for three years, 24 hours a day. Three years. You think there's some issues came up? Andrew, who spoke the truth. Jesus said there's nothing false in this guy. Imagine Andrew going, Walking around the group. Hey, dude, you were a little harsh today. Hey, Peter, that was a little loud and over the top. You need to chill out. James and John, just relax on the the player thing. (laughs) Nathaniel, I don't know too much about Nathaniel. James the Younger, I don't know too much about him. Judas, you think Judas had issues? Yeah? I bet Judas got into some disagreements with some of these guys. Thaddeus... Matthew, the tax collector. If you you watch The Chosen, you know that I don't know if that was what it was like. Philip, Simon the Zealot. I thought he had issues. Thomas, Doubting Thomas. You ever been trying to tell a great story with someone who doubts everything?
0: Ruins the whole thing,
1: right? So these 12 guys, for three years, are sitting around Jesus. They're breaking bread, they're praying together. They're doing the Lord's work. In my mind that's like a church. Mm-hmm. They're together with Jesus. That's a church. And my point is, I bet they had so many issues, but it was good. I don't think Jesus was like, I mean sometimes he sounded a little bit annoyed, you know right? <laughs> but I think it was a learning moment, in a teachable moment. It was like school. I think they would get in flights and Jesus would be like, guys. And maybe tell one of his parables or you know, teach them the right way. I think I think that happened all the time because I believe they're people just like we are. And if we in this room spent three years together, twenty-four hours a day, we'd have issues. <laughs> right? So my point with that is church is not gonna be perfect. Yeah. We're gonna bump heads, we're gonna people have different opinions. But that's the the battleground in which we're made more like Jesus. And it's those moments where we have issues and we talk and we get through it that we're made more like Jesus. I mean, Brenda and I talk about our family history and sometimes the girls are there. And we talk about rough times we've gone through and talks where it was with our girls where it was like ugly Rough and feelings were swearing and all sorts. Not in our part, but on the girls' part, you know, just all this stuff and maybe swearing in our part. I don't remember, but um, but it was rough. But those times were the times that we bonded and grew and loved more than the good times. It's like the girls were like. They all admit that was rough, but through those hard, hard, hard talks and times, they're like, Mom and Dad love us. Mom and Dad would do anything for us. Right? And that's how the church is. So, I don't know where we go from here, but I know that God and Jesus see the church as vital. Vital. Precious. <clears throat> we are precious to them. I want I want to see the church as precious. I want to see Sunday morning meeting together as precious. I want to be devoted to it. That's a decision you have to make yourself. I, right? I mean, so again, you might come from a different point in this and go, I, you know, and that's okay. But this morning I was just trying to show you through God's eyes, loving the church through God's eyes. Amen? Amen. So we're going to take communion, and um, this goes back to that scripture I shared about Jesus gave his blood for the church. That's what communion's about. Remembering the sacrifice of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Remembering what he's done for us. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to have communion. Amen. Dear God, thank you uh, for your word, your scripture, and just the scriptures this morning about the church thank you for your message thank you for your love your attention and your just your focus on the church god and how important it is to you thank you jesus for sacrificing letting yourself die on the cross for believers for those who would come to faith and for those who would come together be called out as a group in your church, Father. We thank you so much for that gift. I know we could all come up here and share our stories, our most precious memories of the church. And I know some of us would be in tears, Father, because they're just so important and so precious to us. And thank you for those memories. And I know the church isn't perfect, God, but I just I pray that in that imperfection, you can be seen in and your work can be seen. And I pray we don't ever give up on your vision for the church and your vision for us, Father. We love you so much. We thank you for Jesus and his sacrifice. In his name.